Hello and welcome to a bit of a strange edition of Into the Black Archive. Because we've got a new animation out to come and, and enjoy us with. To come Gal- and enjoy us with. I have to admit, I had a different sentence planned, <laughs> but I forgot it. Yes. Midway through. It did seem like you'd cobbled two sentences together there. Yeah, so as always, I'm Owen and sat opposite me is James. He Hello. Is, he is a former child, so he's qualified. <laughs> yes. I I was there in the black and white era. I, uh, I never said that. I just said you're a former child, which you were. As were you. Yes, we all are. So if you ever think, if you ever get an inflated sense of ego, remember you're just a former child. We're all qualified in some way. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's nice to take a little break from, because we're recording this as Flux is still going on. Uh, it's nice to take a little break from all of the colour and all of the madness that Chibnall's putting us through at the moment uh, to go back and watch a classic William Hartnell episode that they have just restored, Galaxy 4. Yes. It's... This is such a chalk and cheese episode. You've got Chris Chibnall's bang, bash, wallop, confusing mess. Everything is happening at once. And then we've just watched Galaxy 4. Let's just say... It's a little bit slower. The pace is leisurely. Yes. And we don't say that some, in a nice way. Some might say comatose. <laughs> yeah, so if... Also, just a quick thing. We're recording this before the fourth episode of Flux comes out. So if we make any Flux references, and for whatever reason... They yeah, anything has been contravened. Slightly out of date or contravened or contradictory in what's just been broadcast... That is why. We don't know who the angels have done in. So, I mean, I imagine they will have done in a couple of people because that's the nature of them. Is it a plan for them to do in an entire village? Yeah, well, that's what we've got, haven't we? We've got yeah. the, the 60s thing. I, I presume you're all listening to this and going, Haha, you have no idea. Yes, uh, so they're taking out a village in the 60s. So we're now going to cover an episode which will broadcast in the, in the 60s. 60s. Yes, because this was 1960s, series three, isn't it? This was like 1965, 66? I don't know off the top of my it's, head. Yeah, it's one of the two. Um, so this is William Hartnell's Doctor, and it's also a return for some of the companions that we've done on previous Black Archive episodes. So it's Vicky and Stephen. It's only, the only time I've seen these pair together properly. It's Time Meddler. was Time Meddler, yes. Yeah, we because, haven't, because after it we did the arc, didn't we? And Dodo's in the arc. Yeah, because essentially, season three, all but three episodes were missing. Mm. So, and those were all in the latter half Yes. So we've got this one here, which is the first episode from this season. What did you think about it? In terms of like a whole summary? In term- Yeah, in terms of a general okay. summary. In terms of general summary, did you like it? My God, it's boring. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that it's the components are necessarily bad. It's just there's not a lot of components. Do you it's think- very bare. Do you think it's because of the context of us seeing it while we're doing the new Who stuff compared to when previously we've been doing it with all the old Who stuff? Do you think but, it's the uh, contrast between the two? But boring? at the same time, at the same time, you know, if you so Galaxy Four is a four-parter, which which is a pace that we have said multiple times we think is pretty good. Yeah, for a, for a Doctor Who story at the classic era, in four-parters, let's. I mean, if you pick a good four-parter out of the sky like even the arc which comes just after this you've got enough going on in each episode there's a lot of different development going on with this it really is just the story is stated it doesn't really twist at all you only really get stuff happening 
after the first two episodes. Yeah, the, the first half, nothing happens, pretty much. It's just sort of build up. Yeah. And then the second half, stuff just happens. I mean, the only twist, and bearing in mind this is a twist we've seen a lot on Hartnelloo, is that the aliens that they meet at the first time that claim they're being oppressed are actually doing the oppressing because there's another species they claim are oppressing aren't doing that at all. Yeah. It it really does come back to what we've previously said before, is that somehow between season three and season four, aside from the new Doctor element, something has obviously changed in the story writing department. Because mm. we've gone from one season, which from what we've got of that season, at least, for yeah. VR gunfighters and for War Machines. Yes. It's a relatively dull season. To, yeah, I mean, War Machines is decent, but that's as high as it gets. Yeah. Uh, but then we then go to season four with Patrick Troughton, where we've got the 10th planet, obviously, William Hartnell, uh, Power of the Daleks. Decent. Moon base, which I think we agreed was it's the weaker sideman story, but it's still okay. It's still, it's still watchable. Um, we've got the evil of the Daleks. We've got hilarious face, faceless ones. Very good. Which macro terror as well, which doesn't are, exist. All very entertaining episodes. I've got no qualms about going and watching. Honestly, nearly all of them. Yeah, nearly all of them again. Even Moonbase, I wouldn't be completely against going and watching it again if yeah, I had because to. Because that that French guy is good. That was it. Benoit was it? Renard. I think it was Benoit, the French I think guy. It was Benoit. Yeah, that, yeah, Benoit. Now you've said it like that, it's Benoit. Which, which is such a bizarre contrast between, like, you'd expect to see this transition going on over the course of like three seasons, but this is two seasons back to back. Like, yes, there's a different producer, but would that make such a big change? Well, it can do, yeah, because if if the producer, well, think of it like this. Now, if you think of the producer of who then is like the showrunner today. You know, Doctor Who changes massively when when the showrunners change now. The difference between, let's say, Russell's Doctor Who when Tennant was there compared to Moffat's Doctor Who, compared to Chibnall's Doctor Who, they're really quite big. I mean, Chibnall's Who is is really unrecognisable. If you showed that to somebody who'd only ever watched Russell Who or something like that, it'd be a totally different show. Particularly Moffat's Who, because Moffat and Chibnall, despite the fact that they're right next to each other, they're taking such a different angle of it. Yeah, starkly different. With Moffat, you've got the sort of more... Um, with Moffat, you've got the sort of more fairy tailistic kind of thing. But then with Chibnall, you've got the more gritty, realistic. Yeah, Chibnall is interested in, okay, how would you apply Doctor Who basically to today, the, the culture of today? Yeah. Moffat was interested in Doctor Who sort of as being a symbol of culture and sort of how that represents culture where it's so it's almost the reverse and then russell is more like okay how do i apply the doctor to the world but also do the, the thing russell, kind of doing both russell sees it more as a character drama than anything else doesn't well, yeah he, well, russell was always others. writing essentially a family particularly like in the first two series when the tylers were i mean i know we've just watched christmas invasions this is on my mind yeah but the way the tylers were done is really like a family drama and it's disrupted by the fact there is a time lord in it basically yeah because that's what russell's good at you know i'm not i'm surprised chris chibnall hasn't done more serial stories because that's what he's good at and stephen moffat did a lot of those great big time bending plots that go over thousands of years because <laughs> that's what he likes so yeah so that that's this story 
the contrast between the two seasons. But what do you think about the characters? Because we've seen these t- we've seen these guys together before, but only, only once. once. And it's also for, this one here is also for one which Peter Perth's is least happy with with his characterization. Do you think that's justified? That's a, a very good question. Um, <laughs> um, it makes a lot of sense because I mean, yeah. Let's start with Stephen then, because um, yeah. we didn't see much of Stephen before. We've only seen what we've got three episodes of. Stephen? We've got Medler, Ark, Gunfighters, because. Stephen's gone by War Machine. Yeah, and we also have him for a little bit of a chase where he's being captured yes, by he's sort of the Mechanoids. Not a companion, but he's there. Um, oh, you remember the Mechanoids? I remember. I remember for terror, which don't exist more than the Mechanoids. And they did exist. Well, <laughs> not in my mind. They're gone. Uh, I can't even tell you what the Mechanoids look like now. Uh, they're, they're those bizarre, like angled circles, which couldn't fit quite fit through doors properly. <laughs> Frankly, you could have told me they had. Is for heads, and I'd have said, Yeah, sure. <laughs> I have no idea. Do you remember the really trippy fight at the end of? I remember the trippy fight, I just can't remember them. They're like a you know, and there's like a hole in your memory, like a vacuum. Like it's it's exactly there, it's just gone. Anyhow, yeah. so yeah, let's start with Stephen. Um, what does Stephen do in this episode? Uh, he mainly starts it by being very violent, yes, and then continuing to be violent, and then he nearly suffocates to death. He gets captured, doesn't he? Yeah. Which is the thing he has issues with, because this story was initially written for Ian and Barbara, because it was around Ian and Barbara's, Barbara's departure. Yeah. And it's initially his role got essentially got converted from Barbara to his, mm. which is what he has issues with, because he feels like he's too damsel and distressy when well, he's captured. Well, it is captured. very damsel and distressy. It was... Stephen was just constantly in the first two episodes. I think that's been the main issue of this character in the other episodes we watched of him, where he's very fighty and he's very yeah. raw and he's always like oh we could shoot that which is you know a decent solution sometimes but not all the time yeah and because he's very headstrong he almost doesn't think so the character looks like it doesn't think and you think oh you could have made a better decision there because he ends up getting stuck in um essentially an airlock yeah at the expense of a certain a villain which we'll talk about in a bit and then after that doesn't really do much for the story other than plug a cable I, in i feel like Here's a weird one, because I was just saying, we do get the violent, straight to violence, very hot-headed version. Mm. But then, back almost back to back, we've got the damned in distress stuck. Yeah. And I feel like it's a bit of a contrast which just doesn't quite sway. You can tell no, where... No, it doesn't suit the character. You can tell where they've kind of cobbled Ian and Barbara's parts into one character, and it doesn't quite add up. Yeah, it's he's got, like, the fightiness of Ian with the... I'd say damn the stress of Barbara because she's way more of a character than that but you know it's obvious that Barbara was the character that was going to be captured yeah and it was going to be you know a sympathetic thing so in the end they yeah like you say it was like they meshed them to try and create this thing because when Ian is captured not when Ian when Stephen oh I'd prefer if it was Ian when Stephen gets captured and is sat at the table just trying to persuade the rebellions around him hmm. you can sort of see Barbara doing that yeah you can you know it was uh, William Russell's birthday this weekend as we record yes this. I do yeah um, yeah goodness me what a great man just thought I should bring that up yeah uh, yeah so it's kind of this mesh of the two characters and in terms of how he interferes with the plot the answer is not that much still no because it wouldn't have been well written for Ian and Barbara is what that tells me is because they don't really have an impact on the plot 
unless Vicky does in this episode. Unless they did, but they kind of removed that side element because they weren't there. Well, that would make sense because the the episode does feel a bit empty. Yeah, it feels like they did cut off a subplot. But there's space there. Yeah, that's Stephen. Particularly as we're saying in that front half where it's just not much going on. Oh, yeah, so freaking slow. Um, So what about Vicky then? Because Vicky has more to do in this episode than she usually did. I don't know. I feel like this is starting to go towards the good characterization of Vicky, which we yeah, saw in when... Space Museum, mm. um, Time Meddler. I think this is a similar sort of theme as what we saw with her, where she's starting to come out into her own. Yeah, I think it took a few stories for them to figure out what to do with her, but but then they did. Yeah. It was sort of the opposite of Susan, where they never quite worked it out until they worked out that they were going to get her out when she's really good in Dalek Invasion of Earth. But yeah, Vicky has a few good episodes and this is in that stretch. Yeah. So she really does a lot of the lifting, yeah, story-wise, she- uh, because she is the one who... She's she's initially held in the first and part. She's kind of waiting for the Doctor and Stephen to sort something out on the ship. But it's never really felt down to the stress. It feels more fact-finding mission. Yeah, because she was fact-finding and she's, and she's questioning the villains and she's talking to them and she's being a genuinely good character. And then she's the one that makes contact with the others as well. Yeah. Which is probably the, the biggest thing that happens or at least the biggest shift. Yeah, for trolls. Yeah, so do you think Vicky works well here? Because I think, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like her reason for being there has purpose. Yeah. I'm... I do question why she was the one sent out with a doctor to go meet the trolls. I don't quite understand. Well, I, well, I actually think if they're meeting another race and want to be peaceful, bringing out a hot-headed Stephen might not be your best approach. Yes, but at that point, though, you need to remember, we didn't think at that point they were peaceful. We thought which they were out to kill everyone. I suppose, but... That, 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 like, it's a small blemish in her quite frankly, mm. really good characterization yeah. in this episode. Although on the flip side, you could say it's good for Stephen because he's the one that kind of steps in and goes, no, you're not holding Vicky. Because maybe they were worried that Vicky was going to have issues yeah. being held there. And obviously, yeah. in the 60s um, hegemony, <laughs> it's all like, well, don't harm the women. It'll it'll be us who take it, us men. Yeah. But yeah, no, I think I think she dealt with being faced with a trail, a new alien race, potentially capturing the Doctor. Mm. But then Are they the ri- Rills or the... You're talking trill. I thought they were trill. No, I thought they were rills. Either one. <laughs> the rills. Honestly, yeah. it could be either one. Um, I, I felt like she dealt with for, for capturing, being caught by them, in quotes, mm. because even though she isn't actually caught by them, she managed to get her way up there. She realises very quickly, which they're not being told the full picture here. Yeah. And then very quickly realised the Doctor might actually kill them by mistake. Yeah, and actually helps them then. So I feel like her characterization is actually very good in this story. It's, yeah, it's pretty strong. It, it's better than what we've had before with Vicky, where she's essentially a Barb, not Barbara, a, a Susan Lights yeah. kind of character. She was just sort of a lackey. But but in these episodes, well, this story, she picks up a lot of yeah. the lift, which is good. And then finally, on characters, uh, Will. Nice to nice to have Will back. Yeah, nice to have Will back. And all of his little um, um my dear child. Yeah. I feel like not to say this in a bad way, I feel like we are entering we've previously referenced the last half of the season as William's stagnation. Yes, yeah, so it's just character. paint by numbers going through the motions. I think we are seeing that transition here into yes. being a 
fully thought out character to just being a bog standard character who doesn't really grow and just stagnates a little bit. Mm. I think that's the best way to describe it because she is, he is there, he is engaging, he is entertaining, but you kind of struggling to see his character grow a little bit. Yeah, he just does the same things. Uh, and the, the problem even in, in this episode is it's just kind of, he just has the solutions really quickly. It's like, there's no real obstacles massively. It's like, oh, we need this. Well, I can do that. We'd like you to find this out. Well, yes, I can do that. But and he does that. To be fair, this I think it kind of worked in this episode purely because I'm not being nice this episode here. Purely because the episode is so basic. Yes, that I, really the basic solution is all you can have. I I kind of think he can get away with it if they go, oh, we're running out of power. He can very easily go, oh, I've got power in my ship. Is it compatible? Yes. You can power your ship from mine. I kind of think that does add up as yes it is a simple solution but the story has only enabled it to have a simple solution yeah well i mean that's not then that's not a fault with william hartnell no no that's a fault with the story but that's a fault with the, the, that, the script that's what i'm saying which i think william hartnell can be let off on that Potentially, for doctor yeah. can be let off on that but, front but like you say you can tell that this was the beginning of hartnell reaching a point where they needed a different doctor or they needed a reboot and a refresh yeah because it was, it, it gets to a real stagnation around this point. Mm. And you have series three, which really not a lot happens. Ben and Polly are basically the only real sort of introduction of any promise. And let's face it, Ben and Polly's kind of a wasted potential pair of companions anyway. Yeah, they were very... It's weird because they weren't very... I was about to say they were very quickly written out in the next season. But they're not. They're there until faceless one. But they just don't feel like they had much of a presence. No, and they're in a few episodes that we've watched. Yeah. But, you know, Ben just Ben was just like Stephen, but more whiny. And always got himself trapped. Yeah. And Polly had moments where she was good. And then suddenly had to make coffee for everyone. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that's us with done for characters, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. So shall we move on to the plot? Move on to the plot, yep. So as, as we were saying earlier... There's not much really going on. Slow, ponderous, sort of devoid of stuff. Particularly the first two episodes of Galaxy 4, because just nothing happens. They arrive, so TARDIS materialises essentially on um, kind of a barren planet. Yeah, it looks very... At least in the animation, looks like some sort of desert, doesn't it? Yeah, it's deserted. There are there are some plants growing there, not ones that we recognise. So it's, it's clearly a very distant planet. Sort of, Vicky at one point says it sort of looks like a rose, doesn't she? Yeah, but it's not quite a rose. It's sort of almost a rose. Yeah. Um, so they're there. When it's a rose, not a rose. When it's Rose Tyler. So anyway. Uh, <laughs> That's a nice bit of side. <laughs> anyway, once they have a little look around, they think, oh, this is deserted and quiet. Maybe we can have a bit of a, a peaceful stop here. And then a machine arrives. Chipley, which looks Chumley. like... Chumley. Chumley. They, well, Chumley. they call it a Chumley. Which, for intensive purpose, moves around like a Roomba. Yes, we were, having, we were making a lot of jokes about the, uh, the digital vacuums. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they just sort of move about. They seem to be blind. They just sort of move on by touch and things. Yeah. Yeah, almost exactly like a Roomba. And then they go... Although, then again, it's kind of like a taller Roomba. It's sort of like a if a Dalek had sex with a Roomba. Yeah, we were saying which it was... 
It was the result of illicit relations between a Dalek and a um, Roomba, weren't we? Yes, the phrase illicit relations is wonderful. It has like a real Romeo and Juliet vibe. Like someone's just going, but these are illicit illicit relations. We've got to remain PG. We've got to remain sort of vague. Yeah, well, the relations were illicit. I think that's vague enough. Yeah, exactly. You know, we we haven't suggested anything. We can't go straight out and say say which they had and... And no, that would be ridiculous. Then have because then you would imply how can a Dalek? And we've already gone through like Dalek book club, and I don't want to go through Dalek club. <laughs> so we're going to drop that there. Machine arrives. They think, what's it here for? It seems to be sending messages out and communicating with something, which is clear evidence that there yeah. is some life here. Not only that, advanced life is yeah. here. Then they are met by two women. Yes. You put a bit of mesh on the machine. Which sort of crush it. Yeah, even though it doesn't really crush it. I think... So it just turns it off. They say it's covered in... Is some sort of electromagnetic mesh which blocks off the signals. Yes, it can't be controlled. Yeah. By whatever is controlling it. Uh, And these these women are part of a race of people called... Oh, bail me out. What are they called? You don't want to bail me out, are you? So, the arrive. Check your phone. Is it the? Dr- I, I can't remember. That's why I can't. You can't help. remember. That's why I can't help. Oh, uh, uh, this you. really shows you how forgetful this episode is, folks. Um, Galaxy for. I bet. I bet you. I'm going to type this in, and it's just going to be like sim only deals for the Samsung Galaxy Four. Oh no! Actually, no. It's it's who? Bavellians. No, no. Dravins. 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 Got it. Yeah, I knew it was Dr- something. Right, so Dravins. Yes. What do you think about them? Well, the, I think the entire theory behind the ones which we meet, we meet at first are that they are... I'm not going to say clones because they don't look the same as each other, but they're essentially some... A large majority of them are, are essentially clone race kind of theories yeah. with the sole purpose of fighting. Essentially, think of a Sontaran, only not quite as warmongering and not a potato. Yeah, Sontarans, but they're women. And they're a bit... They seem a bit dumb. They seem a bit thick. They seem really timid. They don't. They seem to be terrified of doing it anything without their leaders, whose name yes. is... Uh, Marga. Marga's... I, I did Marga's, remember that. Without Marga's... He- permissions yeah so so marga is well she describes herself as an organic being yeah and that everyone working around her are synthetic or cultivated so they've been carefully bred to serve the purpose marga's just a person yeah which is sort of clone-like isn't it yeah it's clone-like i think your point's absolutely valid now marga is the main character we meet in this episode in this whole story she's obviously leading the dravins um, what did you think of her? Because she comes across as a bit of... She's a bit manipulative, isn't she? She's, she tells... Yeah, she's very, like, kill, kill, kill. She's she's very good at adapting a story to suit her way mm. of thinking because she sets out the story about how how the trill... Or what, how do you say them? Trill? Oh, the, the rills. Rills. The rills shot them... The, the, <laughs> how the trill shot them down. Rills. And 
yeah, definitely real. I've just for, looked that up. For reals, how they shot them down and how they're evil, how they killed the one of the other Dravins. Um, <laughs> and you can tell this is a mem- memorable piece of who. And yeah, which is very manipulative. She attempts to manipulate the doctor into seeing for reals as sort of like the bad guys. Yeah, like they attacked first, they killed one of her soldiers. Is she a effective character? I think she's 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 effective, sure, but she's very kind of cookie cutter one note. Like there's not yeah. a lot of depth to her. You don't feel sorry for her position, do you at any point? Was no, you, and she, that's that's throughout the story really. You don't really see why she's doing what she's doing like you get given the idea which they're looking for a new planet and say the current one is overpopulated yeah there seems to be a sense of desperation and that seems to be the main drive because i mean we'll get to that in literally yeah. just a second but there's a main drive that makes them quite desperate and that's used as the justification script wise for her actions which is fine i suppose it, like Previously, we've we've referred to Cutler as being a good villain because yeah, you can, great example. You can understand how you can justify his actions. He's he's desperate. He thinks he's just lost his son. He's getting himself slowly more and more worked up. But here, it seems very much one that you don't ever really get given a chance to see things from their point of view, mm. like you did with say with Cutler. I mean, in the first episode, that's really the only side we get of the story so we kind of have to start there that's our base point yeah and it's only later we recognize that that base point wasn't as reliable as perhaps it could have been uh now the main drive we might as well get to it because it's really the only other thing that happens in this episode (laughs) such as the slowness Uh, essentially the driving women that find the doctor making Stephen out in the desert take them to marga and they have a, a rusty old tin spaceship essentially out in the desert that's broken they arrive and Marga says that they need their help to get off the planet because they have information from the Rills, who are the other species of alien involved in this, that the planet is going to disintegrate. It's going to blow up in a couple of weeks. 14 dawns, they say. So a fortnight. Yes. But they very quickly realise it's not that, not that at soon. All. It's only going to be two two dawns, so which then puts a bit more of a rocket up everyone's ass. <laughs> That's a great use of that phrase. Um, which then makes everyone panic a bit more. Um, so, Doc... And that's, doc, that's the end of episode one. Yeah. So, Doctor... That's and, it, lads. Doctor and Stephen go off to the TARDIS. They come back again. And they kind of realise at that point they need to go and and find the drills. 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 Got to be a supercut of all of the not reels you've said. I'm just going to lean into it now. I've got nothing else I can yeah, do. Yeah, why not? I... Um, <laughs> So, for Gills... Um, <laughs> yeah, this has to stay in. Uh, for Gills... So, yeah, so they essentially say for Gills were attempting to capture them and take them, save them from this planet, weren't they? Yes. So, what happened was the pills and the Dravins crashed and that resulted in, obviously, them both being there. But because Marga put up this very, like, they tried to attack us thing, she won't accept anything. She believes anything is an attack. Yeah. Does she... This is a question for you. Does she think everything's an attack or is manipulating everything to be an attack? Well, does she does she actually believe what she is saying to be I, it I truthful? Think she, I think she does because because the question I would have was if she was manipulating everybody 
what would be the major gain? I mean, I suppose at the but, start, it's to get in the help. But I when that starts to weaken, what's the gain? The issue is, though, there's such obvious stuff which she has done wrong. Like, she is the one who killed the... Ah, oh, but that's only the real side of the story, actually. That never gets verified. But she says which she was killed by them. Yes, yeah. And it's definitely... There is... I, one of them's lying. Yeah, I... I don't... But the thing is, the... The Gill's side of it kind of follows their character aims of what we get to witness from them. Yeah, it does. the... Tills. No, the other ones. Dravins. The Dravins. (laughs) Goodness me, this episode. Every time I point at you, I want you to say Dravins, right? Okay, right. So the point point is shorthand for Dravins. Yeah. Um, The... Dravins. Character leads me to think more which they were for ones lying. Mm. So I think... To an extent, I think she knows she's manipulating it. Yes. I I feel like she knows she's manipulating the Doctor and crew to try to get out of there as soon as possible. Perhaps it's a 50-50, because I do think there is... Because she's desperate to get off the planet, yeah. I think there's an element that she believes everything is out against her to get her off, and so she, in her own head, almost manipulates herself into thinking, well, that's the enemy. If I can beat the enemy, I'll get off. Yeah. Especially if they're, you know, they're breeding people to kill. So they are a war species. Yeah. So she would inherently want to see enemies. That's kind of how they would be raised. Yeah. So at this point then, Doctor and Vicky go into the drill spaceship. Uh, Yes, and this is after... They have this big argument um, because initially what happens in episode one is the Doctor and Stephen go back to the TARDIS to investigate the planet, but they keep Vicky to stop them from leaving. So when they say they'll do that again, Stephen steps in almost and says, no, you're not doing that again, I'll stay. Which you had a question about, actually. I remember we were talking about this before. Yeah, we discussed it when we were discussing the characters about whether it makes sense for Stephen to go or Stephen to stay. Mm. I suppose it, it could... It makes sense for protecting Vicky, but... At that point, did we know which the... Travins! ...were evil or not? Because I think if we can make the argument which Stephen knew it was going to go south, mm. I think that's a valid argument. Yeah, I think he suspected but, it would go south. But at that point, we didn't really have any reason to believe that would be the case well i think i think the way margaret bin from the episode obviously you know she has this quite cold manipulative behavior to her own clone species which she perceives as being inferior to her so that already puts you on edge and thinks well definitely there's there's a side to her you wouldn't want to cross yeah and we see that later so yeah but yeah we pick and doctor go along into the spaceship they meet the the well the initial plan i think is important to say is is that um they figure out that the rills themselves the reason they're sending the the chumleys out which is what Actually, they call them no no because they no sorry no not on that point on a different point no, a different point. they didn't know which they were going bad at that point because this is the point when they start blackmailing them to go and take over the ship yeah yeah so it, it was does, blackmail it does make sense then for Stephen to stay behind yes that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, I was wrong. There we go. That's fine. Continue. I mean, yeah. So I, that's I, what's I just, happening. I just realised as as you were talking. Sorry. That's fine. So they get to the ship and they recognise that the rills can't breathe the atmosphere on this planet, which does turn out to be oxygen. Yeah. Sure. 
Um, it's amazing in for Doctor Who universe, Star Trek universe, Star Wars. It's just universe, amazing how many planets how, have perfectly breathable air. Yeah, it, and 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 gravity. It's it is. Yeah, exact gravity to Earth. It is quite amazing. Because I mean, just think about the Doctor episodes we've watched so far. The only one which didn't have the correct gravity was the Moon. Well, yeah, everything else has the right gravity. Yeah, it is amazing. Anyway, yeah. continue. Also, Star Trek doesn't have Roombas. Hmm. We got so bored during Yeah, episode, yeah there was a whole tangent we went on about whether there'd been any hoovering in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, but moving on. Um. <laughs> yeah, so they can't breathe. They're using, like, ammonia yeah. to breathe. And so the Doctor, thinking that the rules might still be up against the Jarvans, um, is trying to redirect the gas... To make it oxygen so that the rills are breathing in what's essentially poison to them and that will cause problems with them. And then they, the cliffhanger of this episode is that they see a rill for the first time to which, an extent, like a version of one. Yeah, which in the animation makes it look like it's a sucky thing. Yeah, it's like one of the sandworms in uh, the Dune movie. Well... But smaller. Because we've got the episode four, episode three, which yeah. remains... Um, and we saw what it actually looked like, and it didn't look like a sucky thing at all. It's basically a big slug. Yeah, it's essentially a big, cute slug. Yeah, and they're in these kind of glass cages. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so Vicky eventually works out which they're not evil. And yeah, because she has a conversation with... And this is where Vicky does the big lifting. Yeah. Narratively, she's able to work out that the rills don't really mean too badly... They just want to get off. Yeah, they they realise which they're not the aggressors in this situation. Yeah, it's, it's the Draven that are doing the aggressive actually work. Actually, the Draven. So they essentially get the Doctor together to join forces to try to save the Gills. Yes, the pills. Yes. Um, but yeah, no. Um, at this point, Stephen realises which he is might need to get out, so he does something a bit stupid. Yes, so Stephen takes a gun, like a really big gun, yeah, and does the whole escape by force technique. Gets out, realizes there's a machine there, and at, and at this point, we've worked out in episode three that the machines are aren't really they're harmless to you. They can be harmful if you provoke yeah. them, but they're harmless to Stephen. He doesn't know that, so he is caught between uh, a rock and a hard place. He has to go into the middle of them, so he's inside the doorway, which is a problem. A quick question at this point here. Yeah. So we see, we know which the drills can communicate via the chimneys. Yeah, the chumleys. Chumleys. There's going to be a lot, a lot of words. Um, you can tell I'm dyslexic through this episode. <laughs> no. Um, it's just words. They're all stupid. Um, can communicate via the Chumleys. Why doesn't... Why don't they communicate via the Chumleys at this point and go, Stephen, come out, we're friendly? Because there's no effort there to communicate or, like, somehow get the Doctor to speak via the Chumleys to go, don't worry, it's safe. That's a great question. Because we essentially... We, <laughs> we essentially get... We see Stephen running in the airlock and then we go back to... Vicky and the Doctor, and they go, oh no, he's run back inside and we're hearing gasping noises. Yeah, we can't do anything, of course. No. Is, just... it because, is it because they're outside the door and there would be like a soundproofing? Is that what they're going off of? No, because we... Well, at least they could at least try 
Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, I'm trying to find any defense, but I just I look at it and I think you haven't thought of your plot. Yeah, because like I would understand that if they never showed them communicating via the chibis outside of the spaceship, mm. but we later see them communicating outside the spaceship anyway. Yes, which in like two separate scenes, which are only separated by like ten minutes, mm. it just doesn't make much sense. It's not ideal, but yeah. Um, so Stephen is caught in an airlock, which uh, Munger then uh, uses, takes the air out. Stephen's struggling for breath. That's the cliffhanger of three. Probably the best cliffhanger of the lot. They weren't very good cliffhangers. They weren't, but it's, it's okay. Point. And then we move into episode four, where pretty much everything happens, because they yeah. forgot to do everything at the start. <laughs> so... This, this episode... Yeah, we'll have to whiz through this. This story just a mess. So Stephen gets freed. Yep. Um, Chumleys have gone with... Um, Vicky and the Doctor, they go back to the pill spaceship and sort that out. Basically, the Doctor agrees to connect the power from his TARDIS to the real spaceship to give them enough lift, kind of like space jump leads, and that will get them soaring away. Meanwhile, the Dravan are still trying to get out. Uh, one of them is tasked with taking the Chumley guarding them out, which she does quite easily, actually. Yeah, which, considering how, how much of an emphasis they put on how hard they are to take out just yeah, in the first Oh, it's episode. such a nightmare. She basically just whacks it in the head. Yeah, and then they just and go, it's fine. Ah, that's us done. Although it does make this really funny noise, which would have been up there with Best Death or Best Scream yeah. in the Season 3 Awards. It's really funny. <laughs> it just goes, <laughs> and it drops. Yeah. Poor so, Chimmies. So... Now the drones escape. They make their way over to the real spaceship to attack it. All the while, Doctor and Vicky Stephen are trying to help. And really, the episode is just dealing with how that works. Yeah. There's a lot of cable. Yeah, they, is one of the main things to note. Yeah, they. So essentially, they, it all ends. They go see the trails. They see which they're like, like creatures, and they come out and then feed the episode. And they're like, "Well, it's nice to meet you, no, folks. So thanks for helping." This episode is essentially all plot, and there's not much there to criticise, really, because it all works quite well. It's Yeah, but it's it, so basic. Yeah, it is so basic, there's not much to criticise. But there is one issue with this episode, which is this ending. Yes, which, we, we should probably talk about this. So essentially, they... The... Dravins. <laughs> well, he made him say it enough times. Well, that's a variation. Um, so... Dravins are essentially chasing Dr. Stephen, Vicky, and the Chumley back for TARDIS in potentially the most boring chase sequence ever broadcasted. Which, which, <laughs> it was on, boring. The animation style of this, it's like, make the backgrounds nice. It's and nothing else. The best way to describe it is the way which I saw Josh Nez describe it in his review is that it's like early Scooby-Doo, where you had the lovely painted background, mm. such nice water and oil paintings, all really nice. And you have the characters, which are just basic. Just hopping, basically. Yeah. Like hopping across the frame. Yeah. And and so for Tyler's group go into the TARDIS, and then shut the door on the driver, and the world just explodes. Yes, and, and they just leave. <laughs> and and we're, we're just both sat there going... Like, it's not very Doctor <laughs> Like, just thinking, um, recent Doctor Who, we've got, in what's the one with last one Donna's in as main character? Wait, what? What's that? The last one where Donna's in as main episode. Oh, you're on about um, Fires of Pompeii. No. I think it's the one you're thinking of. Oh, well, you're on about Journey's Game where he sort of takes everybody. But he doesn't Ge- save the... No, but he... He, he, he offers he, it, he doesn't he? Offers, That's it. He offers Davros, his worst enemy. Yeah, it's like, I don't out, want you to die like this. A way out. And 
He rejects it. He rejects it, yes, but he, he offers that opportunity. Like, I would fully accept in this story. If and they, it fits thematically, because the whole thing is that the, the, the pills, drills, brillsy, whatever they are, um, are, don't want anyone to die, necessarily. Yeah. They're supporters of life. So is the Doctor. Yeah. And he even says it in this episode. He says, you know, we support life yeah. in all of its forms. And then decides that that particular form of life, no. Like, I would fully accept it if they went... Come in, but then a crack opens up in a lava lake. Sort of filled yeah, that's lake. fine because at least he offers it, right? But, yeah, but it just doesn't make much sense. It comes across as like very cold. Yeah, exactly. Very cold. Very not doctor. Yeah, it it feels off, doesn't yeah. it? And we get like a whole extended sequence where they die. <laughs> yeah, which is actually something which I was going to bring up because we haven't really talked about the animation style yet. Aside from that little bit there, mm. it did something which. Which I know which Power of Daleks did do, which I think we both agreed it was all right, where it kind of took out the awkward silences. Mm. Like, because there's some bits on camera where you can obviously hold the camera and it makes sense. Yeah. But in animation, it just doesn't. And they haven't done that here. So you do just get long periods when you're just looking at the scanner. Nothing is happening. Mm. But we're just kind of holding it there for like a second too long. Yeah, and, and feel, what that does is it slows the pace down of the story even more. Yeah, which I don't think helps it. No, no, it really detracts. And also, I don't quite know how the animation have managed this. They seem to make everything look worse. Yeah, because we watched... Um, what What you've got is the, the third episode of this is a surviving episode. So yeah. that is the real footage. It's live action. Yeah. Everything else animated. There's a bit where the end of episode three is repeated again, animated, in episode yeah. four. And it looks way worse even though they can add detail more now particularly with animation technology but they've somehow managed to make it look a bit like amateur hour especially for lack of a word especially for drill spaceship because essentially in in the real life footage it's sort of like this netted sort of ship you've got plastic clear plastic netting all over the place it feels tight and enclosed but then in the animation it's massively overly open Mm. massively over big for seemingly no reason and it's just empty well so Vicky's head is really small yeah the, the head shapes head size keep changing sporadically for no reason very strange stuff yeah it's one of the weaker animations yeah that we've had yeah um but we've come to the end yeah we've shall, made it shall we give it a quick review a quick st- quick, score out of 10 quick score out of 10 yeah um put it this way this is a series 3 episode yeah it's not the worst Series 3 episode, no. because the gunfighters is in there. We'll, we'll and that at, thing really is bad. We'll look at the rankings in a moment, because I've got up our rankings for that season. I, I know where I'd put it. I would put it um, second to last. Yeah, so you would say... Let me get yours up. So you would say, for Season f- 3... You would say War Machines, yep. Ark, mm. Mission, mm. Um, Galaxy 4... Gunfighters. Yeah, that sounds right. Cool. What would your score out of 10 be? I can't remember what I gave the gunfighters, but it probably wasn't good. Um, I will give this one a three. It, that it, bad? Yeah. Reasons Reasons for that. I'm gonna, I'll actually say what positively gives allows me to give it three points. Mm-hmm. The reels are kind of cool. They're okay. The design of the spaceship is nice. The Chumleys are sort of cute. Yeah. That's all right. The the setup for the plot isn't wrong. It's it's there. Like it does function. Yeah. 
So you can't criticise it too much, but you can criticise maybe, should there have been more depth? Should there have been more going on? Absolutely. The writing's a bit basic. The characterization's a bit basic. There's just not a lot going on. It feels really empty. And then you add the fact that the animation style's a bit worse for wear, and then that ending, which feels really off. Yeah. So there's a lot wrong, and yeah. that's why it has to go down sort of to there. Gunfires is still worse, though. Yeah. So there's that. I would probably say around four, because I don't think it's garbage, it is just dull and boring and a bit basic. Mm. And the animation style doesn't help it. Yeah, it's just one of those that... Did it have to be that one we restored? Because <laughs> I mean, so, I like having anything you, restored, but still. I'll tell you why it was restored. Why was it restored? So the issue with a lot of William Hartnell episodes is that the audio quality is a bit crap. It's a bit crap. Yeah. So if we're looking at, say, Marco Polo, there's actually bleed over. So randomly mm. you'll get just the... Um, the intro music just over a random bit of dialogue for no reason just because old yeah, tape recordings old tape just, messes up it's just a bit messed up and also it was cheap because mm. realistically think about the amount of characters you've got there you've got Dr. Steve and Vicky for generic driving Marga. and Marga and then that's it those are the only humanoid characters you've got On well the reals speak but they're not humanoid they're not humanoid yeah so and they don't particularly move no so it's fairly it's simple it's a simple thing to do for the chubblies yes they're complex but they're just one shape and you can just show that rotating just by changing the lines of location so yeah. that's why because essentially it was cheap to make because there wasn't that many character animation which when you compare it to say the faceless ones which is a lot going which on which have got a lot going on so that is why galaxy 4 got chosen to be reanimated yes well, I'm happy it's reanimated because I'm happy to see anything restored. And yeah. The fact that we get to watch it in full is a is a privilege in that way. Yeah. But it's not very good. The box art, though, is very nice. I, I, yeah, I'm I was looking book. at it. The box art's lovely. If you, book, if you do yeah. get that. It's got this lovely orange glow and the TARDIS looks like a beautiful glowing bright blue box. It's really nice. That is actually something to say about the animation. We haven't watched the coloured ones, but we've seen the clips. They're a bit sheer. My God, they're overbright. Yeah, they're a bit um, overexposed would be the technical word yeah. I would use. A bit warm. Yeah. Anyway, we've overstayed our welcome for this episode. So let's wrap it up. Yes. Um, if you enjoyed listening to us go on about Galaxy 4, and if you've watched this episode or have any ideas about it, you can always get in touch with us about that. Um, you can get us on Twitter. That's at Black Archive Pod, which is all lowercase. And then you can even email us if you want. And that email address is blackarchivepod at gmail.com. That is correct. I could see you thinking about that one. I was thinking about um, it, but I, I was just thinking about the right way to phrase it. So, yeah. So, if you want to stay up to date with our podcast, you can feel free to subscribe to get the most recent ones in your inbox. However, if you want to go back to the Hartnell era when we were covering the Hartnell stuff, you can go back through to our earliest episodes of this podcast when we were still a little bit green at the gills and we didn't quite know what we were doing. You can go all the way back to the Unearthly Child episode one. Yes, and we've covered all of Hartnell, so if you want any Hartnell episode that survives, we've got it. Yes. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you'll join us next week as we delve into the Christmas specials. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye.